0: Peterson and I'm Brian Lee welcome to the voice culture podcast where we traverse the rich historical legacy of voice training from the greatest minds and teachers of the art each episode features
1: lively conversation fascinating historical insights and practical application for today's singer Hey Justin, how you doing?
0: Hi Brian, how are you? Just peachy. I'm so excited for today's episode. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm too excited. I think. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we
1: we have our first guests for the podcast. Um, we have two fabulous friends that I think we both met through the Speakeasy Cooperative.
0: Yeah, I met them through you. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, you were my you were my dealer. Oh dear.
1: Okay, <laughs> great. Well, our very special guest today. Our Michelle marquardt Devoe, the founder of the Speakeasy Cooperative, and that's the group we met through. Um, Speakeasy is a training and coaching hub where voice professionals gather for guidance and support with other voice professionals making big moves in their voice businesses. And we're going to have a lot of fun digging into that, some more uh, hearing what she has to say about it. And our other fabulous guest is Kristen Coffey Rondeau. She is the community manager for the Speakeasy Cooperative, and she's also a co-owner of Sand Dollar Music. We are wonderful friends. We're really excited to talk, and uh, uh, I think we're going to have all, a lot of interesting investigation into what these ladies do, and uh, have some fun. So, so welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank yes. You. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we mi- heard? Oh, I'm sorry. No I problem. think it's going to be like
2: that the entire podcast. It's, it's going to be a lot <laughs> of...
1: What is that? Oh, wait.
2: No, you. No, I'm so sorry. It's going to be like
1: Dr. Evil, you know. Well, Michelle, I think we've got to ask the question. Yeah. Why did you start the Speakeasy Cooperative? Can you tell us a little more about its genesis and what services it provides or what value it has in, in the voice community?
2: Yeah, sure. Thank you for asking. Well, why I originally started it and why I keep doing it are two different reasons, right? <laughs> so <laughs> why I originally started it was um, there was a, an obvious need for independent voice teachers to have a kind of a brave space to talk about voice stuff mm-hmm. and to get a clue around running their businesses, Um, Mm. there's a lot of cultural mythology around how to run an independent voice studio based on, you know, succession of saints, the succession principle, I'm going to just do what my voice teacher did or whatever, (laughs) and all that kind of interesting things. And, um, a lot of people were struggling and I kept meeting people that were struggling and I tell the story about this Nats conference that I did. And after this fantastic presentation I did. By the way that was on vocal pedagogy and belting for classical people Uh uh-huh no one wanted to talk about that they all (laughs) latched on (laughs) yeah thanks everyone Uh, Uh they all latched on to like that line in my bio that said like runs a successful independent studio in silicon valley and they're like what how do you do that and Mm. i'm like wow um i can tell you and it started out honestly Um, At the time, there was only like two or three voice teacher groups on Facebook. And what time was this? What sort of? Uh, 2017. Okay. So, uh, yeah, around summer of 2016, right before I launched was we launched in March of 2017. And Mm -hmm. it was the most toxic environment. I just, I couldn't stand it. These really.
1: online groups that already existed, yeah. yeah yeah, yeah, and there were
2: only a few there were only a few of them um, that I was aware of and familiar with, but man, you could not ask a question and get an answer without like getting a tongue lashing oh yeah, yeah. or a shaming <laughs> I or anything, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, I just said i 'm not down for that, and I don't believe that I'm the only person who wants a brave space to just ask a question like, wait, what's an SOVT? <laughs> like, right. wait, what do you mean by a crack thyroid? Just double checking, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And not have someone be like, oh my god, they're so stupid. Like, how could you not know this? Aren't you supposed to be a voice professional?
3: We're calling like, you a you know, charlatan. Oh, I feel like back then the word charlatan was thrown around a lot. Oh, like,
1: yeah. you oh a my question, god. And then everyone, this is yeah. a
2: presence of charlatan. Okay. Charlatan how dare you make money how dare you make money you know how dare you feed your children and put shoes on their feet with teaching voice it's art it's art scandal and i just that's why i started it the good news is is i really think that our presence in the online voice sphere has um taken it to task And so I really don't think that um, there are definitely toxic places everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think there's been a a boom of Facebook groups. We're not just, we are much more than a Facebook group, but just to kind of give it a compare contrast to Mm -hmm. when I started, Mm -hmm. there's been like a boom of Facebook groups that um, are around voice and, you know, many of them are now explicitly saying, you know, you're not allowed to be an asshat. That's great. I I kind of take a little bit of pride in that, and I think that, you know, as soon as you shine a light and say it doesn't have to be like this, and every, and other people say, yeah, I don't want it to be like that, <laughs> then you can, you know, it doesn't matter if people join the Speakeasy Cooperative or not. It's like that ripple of, like, stop being an asshole has gone through yeah a little bit. And, it you know, there will always be, there will always be.
0: Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: So I Kristen, the, oh sorry, Brian. oh go ahead,
0: yeah, go no, ahead. I was just Justin. gonna say, like, what do you think Michelle was the secret sauce for you that was the 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 one thing that made the difference of of the behavior? Like, for, I have ideas, but I, I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about what was that one special ingredient that you were like, this is the thing that will change how people interact.
2: Honestly, I did not have that at the time.
0: Okay,
2: like at the time, it I really believe you know like it's on the website or whatever, but. Like I really, truly believe that a rising tide raises all ships.
1: Mm.
2: Like whether I ran a business with that in it's like marketing or not, like I really believe that when you believe when you assume the best about other people and you ask questions instead of making immediate judgments, mm. that you create space for dialogue, you create space for learning, you create space for um, calling in to change. And, um, I, I think what I did was just did that mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and,
2: but I wasn't thinking like at the time I know, you know, I know yeah, what I'm going right. to do. I'm right. going to be nice to a bunch of people and am are going to give me money. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well,
0: you know, you know the thing I, for me, is like I, I, the thing I keep coming back to is assuming the best. I think that was the thing I remember from the first days of being in it where, where you were just like, you know, when people say something, so ask a question or whatever, just assume that they have the best intentions. Rather mm-hmm. than, you know, they're coming to, like, do a, you know, gotcha, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. You okay. asked the question. Now I gotcha. You yeah. know,
2: it's so interesting that you say this. And I'm just, I'm just curious, Kristen, your perspective on this and even, Brian, from when you were in there. I feel like there's, like, a detox period when people join.
1: Mm. Yeah. Where,
2: like, they kind of – they are so used to expecting to get, like, leapt upon that they – they don't do the assume your best and they kind of are defensive or they, you know, type out something too fast without like carefully responding. And and it's cool, in my opinion. What I love is watching kind of those prickly porcupines turn like show their bellies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen a like,
1: couple people when I was in there. I saw them unwind a bit, which was yeah. cool. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. And, Christ- but Kristen, I don't you must them. get
1: that a lot. I mean, as community manager, you're sort of the first line of of people with problems right
3: (laughs) I absolutely you know Justin I remember Justin framed it beautifully one time he said speakeasy is a place where you can lay down your armor Mm. (laughs) and um and it's so true and so in our new member orientations this is something that I always tell them I, I I really dig deep into the assume the best language and you know and we'll just be on zoom and I'll just be like I just I want you to know we all think you're a great teacher we, we already trust that you are an excellent teacher, that you care about your students, that you are wanting to affect positive change in the world. Like, we already think you are fantastic. You have nothing to prove.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I mean, people aren't used to hearing that. I mean, in any field, but especially uh, a field that is uh, built largely around sole proprietors, mm-hmm. we, we feel like we have to scrap We all, you know, Mm -hmm. everything feels like an opportunity and many of us are trained as performers and what do performers do? We want leads (laughs) and there's only a handful of leads. And so creating that space where we can go, no, you know what? Really, you can all be leads. You can all be in the spotlights in your unique spheres. And that's where a lot of the business training, I mean, and I'm getting ahead, but that's where a lot of the business training that we do comes in handy. You know, figuring mm-hmm. out your ideal client, figuring out mm-hmm. your offers, things like that, figuring out who do you serve and how do you serve them? And then you do find your spotlight and your sphere mm-hmm. of influence.
0: I love that. Neat.
1: What, do you, what are some of the big areas when people want help as voice studio owners? What are some of the big areas that like, questions that keep coming back or issues that are seem to press on marketing marketing Mm. hands
2: down (laughs) i need more students Mm
1: -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. and it's i'm sorry i totally read your mind i knew where you were going so that's why i just (laughs) jumped right in there um i think part of the problem is that the cult, our culture has such a, a toxic relationship with marketing in general and they don't actually understand what marketing is. Mm. And so they come with the need of, I need to get my act together and get my marketing or my policies. Like that's another one is like, I just basically take money under the table, right? And I, I need, <laughs> now people are starting to take advantage of me or my boundaries are being crossed and I'd, I need to kind of set up systems and policies and get mm-hmm. that all straightened out. But I would say hands down marketing and and it's hard because Kristen and I were just talking about this actually uh, last week, I think. But it's it's this idea that like you can't start with marketing like marketing is an extension of all the other things that you've decided about your business Mm -hmm. and about your client and Mm -hmm. who you serve and like like you have to make a lot of decisions about what you sell to whom you sell it to before you can market it and so it's a little bit you know i I imagine that it can be very frustrating when someone joins and they're like i need more students and we're like great who's your ideal client and they're like what the f is an ideal client like (laughs) you know (laughs) or do you think that's true Kristen.
3: Uh, oh, absolutely, mm. absolutely. I think um, it, it's it's exactly that. Of we, we want to save people the uh, the anguish of marketing in a bu- you know, spending a bunch of time and money and brain space and emotional space on marketing, when you might end up marketing to the wrong people. You know, you mm. might end up mm-hmm. having an excellent marketing campaign and draw a ton of clients, and then find out, oh, I don't actually like working with you people. Mm. So it has to start from who do I serve and how do I serve and uh and so getting people to dig deep into that I think is is vital, yeah,
0: wow. yeah know what you're selling first mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I think and to it's... whom
0: right and those you know...
2: you know it's funny I'm sorry, I interrupted Mm-mm. you Mm-mm. you go I was uh, just gonna uh, add uh, that uh, oh, we... oh! okay, it's music we make here um <laughs> shit now I lost it
1: well <laughs> Let me let me let well, me just you, a yeah. thing popped up while you both were from bo- what both of you said about marketing which is um sometimes there's sort of a taboo or mm. some kind of internal restriction to let go of about the idea of business you know voice teaching business like 100%. you know there's many voice teachers that's their main income but yet they're scared about business you know yeah they they the the whole concept of acting as a business, having having a a business framework in which to do your amazing work, mm-hmm. uh, is really hard.
3: Well, I think a lot of it comes back to people's stories around money and making money, and mm-hmm. what do they do with money, mm-hmm. and do they deserve to make money? And it, mm. there's it, there's a lot tied in there um, with people's politics and people's ethics and people's self worth. There's so much wrapped up in that, and then also again. Many of us were trained primarily as performers, and so we got no formal training in running a business, mm-hmm. and we got no um, emotional or psychological framework for running a business. A lot of us don't have positive associations with being business people. Oh. We want we and, and we don't see the intersection between being an artist and being a business person. We mm-hmm. think, we you know we tend to compartmentalize and think well you can be one or the other. And you know, we we believe in a lot of both and.
0: Mm.
2: Definitely. We are definitely the Pomo crew, right? <laughs> both and
0: uh-huh. But
2: like Justin, you say, you know, I, I, I reference you a lot because it just is so in alignment with my my personal core values and I think the business's core values as well, which is two things can be true. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And um you know, it's it's interesting when Kristen was talking about the money and stuff. It's like scarcity mindset, which is this belief that there is never enough, is this thing that makes you greedy. And greed is the thing that says, I have to have everything. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Um, it's so ironic. You know, it's like this fear that I will never be taken care of. It's a deep scarcity wound. Right. Mm-hmm. I will never be taken care of. I will never have enough and therefore a child. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, also kind of that whole, like the, what is that? I don't want to say martyr. That's not the right word, but it's like a word when you like the starving artist becomes like a badge of honor. Right. Like, well, if you, if you're making money at it and you're intentionally trying to promote yourself or, you know, create money with your art, then you have like sold out to the man, you know? Mm -hmm. Um,
0: I call that being a traitor to suffering.
2: Mm. Right. Ooh, yeah.
0: Like, you know, like the idea Absolutely. that you have to suffer, you have to suffer as an artist or is it whatever you, you know, you pay for it and you're suffering. It's yeah. like, Ooh, that's a bad, I'm like
2: there's plenty of suffering without yeah. having to worry about like where I, I just think there's plenty of suffering. You don't you know, also yeah. Yeah. need to yeah. worry about <laughs> <Right>. paying <laughs> no. your rent.
0: Whether you if have enough suffering. Would
3: view, if people with you suffering with an abundance mindset,
2: I'm so sorry. That's
3: not
0: appropriate. I'm also wondering too about the connection between between <laughs> scarcity mindset and growth mindset. hmm You know? Oh yeah. And like those gotta be related to each other, you know? Yeah. That-
2: well scarcity is fixed mindset for sure. Right, for sure. Which is nothing nothing can change. I know as much as I will ever know. Um if I learn something, it's by an accident of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, And these are deeply held beliefs that happen in the way that you were talked to as a child. I mean, this isn't like Mm -hmm. you grow grow up thinking this. And so you're unpacking a lot of stuff when you switch over from a scarcity or fixed mindset into a growth and abundance. And I know, I mean, like you, the four of us, we talk about this stuff constantly. So, you know, maybe for the listeners, just say, like, we know that there is some different data out there that is contrary to the growth mindset, fixed mindset model. Uh, but you know i work with it every day mm-hmm. and yeah. so as much data as well, it's, there is it's out much there. about
0: cognitive behavioral therapy as it is anything yes. else exactly yeah, you know, yeah. i was gonna say it's no, a tool no. for
1: reframing
0: yeah yes. yeah yeah catching yourself when you're going into cognitive distortion and saying mm-hmm. oh wait that's actually a distorted thought let me put that back right mm-hmm. here you know which yeah. is what it's cognitive behavioral ther- yes oh that is the catching
2: Mm-hmm. It's the you
3: know, totally. and and as we as we begin to catch this in ourselves, we can model it for our students, and we can in in some small way prevent future generations of performers and teachers from operating in scarcity and lack mm-hmm. and distortions and things like that. I mean,
0: you know, I'm we can big only do so on it in my much, studio. But, the cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy stuff, huge. Yeah, because the 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 messages we send ourselves about anything, whether it's our business, our singing, even our studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, woof, and if we don't question it, you know, Brian and I talk a lot about Byron Katie and mm-hmm. this idea of just questioning your stressful thoughts and, like, it, it really mm-hmm. putting the, putting the you know, lie to it and saying, is that true? Is that mm-hmm. true? Which is a major question. Yeah. But w- with that scarcity, it's, um, you know, it's an accepting of a stressful thought, really. Yeah. And you just accept it. Yeah, mm.
3: singers are great at uh at fortune telling, at mm. catastrophizing. Yes. You know, like oh, sure. just go down the list, and it's like, oh, I've yeah. done that, I've done that. Oh, I definitely yeah. did that in like every lesson in grad school. Every oh. time I was in a practice room, I was doing
1: this one. Oh yeah, or the black and white thinking. The black <laughs> and white thinking. It's going to be X or it's going to be Y. It can't yeah. be yeah. both. It's got to yeah. be either one. Yeah. I'm like, ugh. Oh, for sure.
2: Our profession mm.
1: is such. When I say our profession, I mean the the, the voice teaching part of our profession. It's such a confluence of things that can get you in trouble. You know, it, mm-hmm. the silo yeah. of being a sole proprietor, if if you are a sole proprietor, which so many of us are. And um, when you're talking about, um, like, uh, the business aspect, and we don't have, we don't see examples of the business aspect with our teachers, usually. You know, yeah. I mean, there was, I, I am married to a person whose father was a very successful businessman. And his children have been successful in business, and to a large degree because it was, you know, one of the folk ways of the family, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and if you've if you've never seen that, if you've never experienced that, you know, you you got to learn it. And uh, yeah. um, anyone can learn, of course, anything. But but when you're steeped in something, as a child, and and uh, go through life thinking, yeah, that's entirely possible. Sure, I can do that. Why well, not? You know yeah. um it's a whole different deal.
0: I also think there's something if you look at education from a philosophical view as I often do the 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 feeling some people have sometimes is a feeling of cheapening education by mm. by by some of the some of that business sort of stuff where you're sort of looking at students as like an end a means to an end rather than relationship and like passing on good information and teaching. You know, I, every teacher has to make money. But, you know, the great teachers go beyond that sort of model. And so I think, you know, it's it's being able to – it's really being able to marry those two things and yeah. being able to say, you know, I'm going to teach and and I understand my teaching is a sick I, – I you know, because, you know, I grew up in the Midwest and we always looked at our sort of callings in life as like a religious sort of thing. It's like you were mm-hmm. called to be a teacher. You were called to do this, you know. And so it's being able to fulfill your – you know, what you feel is your calling in life, but also to be able, like you said, to be able to put food on the table, right? And Mm -hmm. being able to balance those two things, right? Where it doesn't look like it's, you know, well, because we used to say this in opera world all the time, you'd have singers who couldn't, well, this is gonna sound terrible and shady and bitchy, but, uh, you know, maybe a singer who couldn't sing that well, but they had a fabulous website,
2: Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) And it's
0: like, they couldn't really do much with their voice, but boy, their website looked great, you know? Mm -hmm. And you would just be like, but what's where where are your where's the balance of your of your skills and your values here, you know? Mm. So it was always interesting to me, you know. So it's like it is kinda of, that balance. It's like keeping those two things in balance together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's really um, something I needed help with when I came to Speakeasy. I came to Speakeasy though for a slightly different reason at first mm. than business, but I got a lot out of it for business. Mm. But the reason why I first came to Speakeasy very early on when it was a young organization uh, was. Was the speak easy part I wanted oh, to yeah. be able to to yeah. to share and talk and and sh- shoot the breeze with people yeah. you know without uh, I wanted a smaller group uh, uh, mm-hmm. rather than the the whole world wide web and to be able <laughs> to, to talk about right. the ins and outs of teaching yeah. and uh, uh, I really got a lot of uh, value out of then after that, I started to really enjoy. Learning more about the business possibilities and how that could fit into my life loved it
3: well nice and I think that as the as the group has grown, you know the that that small intimate feel has definitely evolved. but I think that now we are having pockets of people sort of creating their own their mm-hmm. enclaves, okay. Um, which is, which is a lovely thing because they're still creating that, you know, within the larger thing. I mean, like, I mean, the four of us have certainly done that yeah. uh, mm-hmm. over, the, over the years too. You know, now there's this little, I
0: little, mean, even in an office, you can't all sit bubble. in the same room. You know what I mean? It's right. like, I'm a small room kind of person, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, too, I need like no. a table of eight yeah. and that's about, even in social life, that's about my max of like, you know, just energy because people do take energy. Mm-hmm. People take it, you know, and Absolutely. you're like, it's like, okay, this person is really um, sucking up all of my energy here today, you know? So um, I, I I love what Brian said, too, because, you know, the, the, the exhausting part of the forum world is that you don't, feeling misinterpreted is a really bad feeling, right? Oh, that you're not being understood. You know, it's like St. Francis prayer. You know, it's like, let me understand more than, but still, I'm like, no, I like to be understood St. Francis, please. <laughs>
3: Let's you keep know. that part in there too.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know, just you, you want to feel like you can, spe- to be able to speak freely, I- especially in the age we live in today, Yeah, is something that I think is very important because yeah. fear keeps many people silent yeah. and then that silence builds resentment and that isn't good. <laughs> it's like, let's have it out. Let's talk about what it is. And I, I've been thinking a lot about disagreement, you know, because this is something that comes up a lot in the vocal world. Mm-hmm. And I think it's understanding for me, the rules of engagement. And how do we interact with each other in a way that lets both people walk away with their dignity intact, Mm -hmm. right? And without that sort of shaming element of of whatever that is. And I think disagreement when done well can be a beautiful thing because both people can walk away better from it. Um, So I – yeah. You know, I get really afraid when everybody wants to agree because I feel like, oh, you know, it's th- that's not how people learn. And if everybody agrees on everything, nobody's learning anything. I mean, you know, if <laughs> well, now look know, at if well, everyone's I, thinking the same thing, then nobody's really doing any thinking at all, right?
1: <laughs> and are they agreeing to to please somebody? You know, right, like right. like sometimes uh, I've been in certain other organizations and groups where, um, people would get on a bandwagon of agreeing. With what the guru says, for example, mm. um, in order to curry favor, I mean it can be that bad sometimes. Yeah. It's mm. like pandering, but um, but yeah, I agree, disagree, whatever. But but be able to also. I really like because I have a huge like black and white concretist element to my personality we uh,
3: we had not noticed <laughs> no. I, I, that is completely new information sometimes oh, i want to i want
1: to <laughs> okay i think i i oh, think Lord. we have a multi-sarcasmic group here mm. <laughs> um, anyway what i was going to say sometimes it's nice to ask a question or answer a question and not be interpreted. Sometimes you don't want to be interpreted. Right. Mm. You just want to exchange ideas as ideas. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, "Oh, I haven't made up my mind yet, but what if?" And and mm. devil's advocate has almost disappeared now as as fair play. Devil's advocate online now seems to 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 look like um, you know, an offensive challenge all the time.
3: Well, it's a cha- it, it it's a tricky thing because Many people are not honest actors. Many people, when they do the devil's, when they, when they do the devil's avocado, Mm. they, uh, (laughs) they are trying to make you feel stupid, right? It's not Socratic method. It's not, you know, bouncing ideas around in a, in a fair and honest environment. It's, it's truly just trying to play gotcha. And, uh, and so, yeah, when you can find those people who you can go, okay, this might be really stupid, but I'm just going to say it. What if, when you find those people you can do that with, it is magic. It's it is. so yeah. special. Yeah. It's so rare.
0: Yeah. It really is. It really is.
1: <laughs> on some of those big bad voice groups, a couple of which are still around. Um I haven't been on Facebook for a year now, but when when I was, I you know, you find people. I think that's kind of how you guys found me in a way. I forget how... I got mm. real interested in Speakeasy. I know I came to you and said, What is this here? Speakeasy thing. But yeah. but you you go to groups and you'll notice people who seem to be seeking in a way that you can kind of groove with. And mm. so then I try to reach out to them individually. And sometimes I've I've made some good connections that way, but they're they're like one on one out of a five thousand person group, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but man, it's it's like wading through the sewer to try to find your ring. I yeah. mean
0: Well, and just imagine standing up in a room full of 5,000 people and asking a question. I mean, I don't know I could do that. Well, I mean, 5,000 people. Like, what? My mother said, you're letting your butt hang out to dry in front of everybody. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Risky. Risky.
2: Well,
3: and. Yeah, I was
2: just just to clarify speakeasy is still under 200 people so it's oh, funny yeah. because we because uh sometimes i think oh gosh we're growing too fast it's too big and then i'm like uh-huh. wait a second yeah. Yeah. there's only yeah. less than 200 people but i the you know to your point about like the smallness and creating pockets i think that's something that Kristen does really well and i think that's something that is the value that we share, which is why we work so well together, because it's this idea that at the end of the day, the only thing that keeps anybody alive in any topic, whether it's voice or whatever, is relationships.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. And yep.
2: having the kind of relationship where the trust is so strong that as soon as the person says something you don't agree with, your first reaction isn't like, gut punch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh. Right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, that makes me, maybe that makes me uncomfortable, but I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to, I'm going to like, mm-hmm. you know, lay down my sword, like right. you say. So,
0: right. Or that they don't like um, me. <laughs> like, I can still like right? you agree with you. Oh. Like, come on, you know?
2: Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's like a cultural thing. Yeah. Like, we're, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know. I think that's cultural that this whole like agreement equals safety slash agreement equals, mm. you know togetherness or or love Unity or, safe, or whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever yeah. it mm-hmm. means mm-hmm. yeah i mm-hmm. i just that's a toxicity that is yep. creeping into our entire western culture mm. so at the heart of that when that is the expectation
3: no one will ever agree with everyone in their circle all the time right. so ultimately what is happening when that is the cultural expectation someone is denying their own conscience mm. someone is stifling their inner mm. sense of right to acquiesce to a societal norm or a cultural like expectation that. or a group mm. environment. Mm, and, um, you know, we, well, you know, I get my stuff yeah. from John
0: Stuart Mill because I really feel like there's four <laughs> parts of this speech thing. It's like, you have the right to talk and you have the right not to talk mm-hmm. and people have the right to hear and people also have the right to not hear. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, walk away, you know, turn, turn the channel, take, take, you know, go, turn off the Facebook, you know what I mean? Take, t- right. to close it down um you know and it's it's funny because like someone said once like the, about b- bs i shouldn't say the whole word but like you know the the amount of energy that it takes to dispel the bs is like f- 10 f- t- the power of 10 more than it takes to like let someone spew bs you know it's like because you just have to like be like okay well here's here's how this is not the way to think about this and da 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 and uh, so yeah
3: well, we see this, I mean, this is not even a voice thing. This is just the world. There is uh, social cachet in being chronically outraged mm. and, <laughs> and it takes a lot to be the calm voice to go, can you help me understand that? Is is that outrage merited or mm. do you have like facts to support it? Or are you just, you just, you just mad, you just post and stuff cause you mm. mad being mad makes you feel virtuous.
0: Yeah. Well, like, I think, too, with, like, I see this a lot with voice teachers when they complain about parents, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this seems to be a very, very common thing to sort of pile on the parents sort of strategy where uh, voice teachers will talk about, you know, this parent did this or that or the other where I feel like, hmm, that may not have been what – we're getting one side of the story, right? You're only hearing one part of the part of the issue instead of the whole thing. Did I come through there or did I blank no, out? No, we got, we got the audio. Okay. Yeah, yeah so just, you know – the outrage of, of something, you know, they did something wrong to me. Maybe the parent didn't. Maybe the parent didn't do something wrong to you. Maybe they just acted in the way that they thought they had to act.
3: Well, and that goes so, back to Michelle's, you know, founding principle of assume the best. Right. And And you model that, Michelle, and when people have difficult interactions with parents, you always say, okay, we don't have the whole story.
0: Often right, we right.
3: don't know what that parent is experiencing and why the communication manifested this way. Like how can we wow. how can we partner with them? It does not have to be adversarial. Yeah. That was something I think in the early days of Speakeasy we saw. Maybe I'm misremembering, but it felt like there was a lot of like it feels like the parents are against me. And it felt like there was sort of like an mm. adversarial dynamic. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you and, and Nikki Loney, this was before she even joined Speakeasy, but even, you know, on, on her full voice podcast, I remember her talking about this a lot. Like, you're the team. You and the parents are the team. Mm. And Michelle, I think that's that's something that you laid out early on. Again, like, we're you do this together. They the, And, uh, you know, your student and their parent, the ideal client is a package. It's a team. And so when there's that conflict or when you're feeling undervalued or misunderstood or
2: whatever, like you got to dig into that.
1: Yeah. Well, and can we bring
2: it around to singers? Yeah. For a second.
1: Oh, tell me more. Um, Like what?
2: Well, I really feel not all teachers, obviously, because, you know, people come to teaching for, from all sorts of, of gates, but I really feel that a lot of the, the irritations and angers that, Arise in the teacher community around their studios, even not, this is both academic and independent. Anyone who teaches a voice are really manifestations of unresolved pain and sadness mm-hmm. around the loss of being a singer Oof. or what they perceive as a loss.
0: Mm.
3: Well, I was of, not ready to go to church tonight, but okay. <laughs> I have a name uh, for that. You know what I call that? I call that
0: FPS. That's my abbreviation for it. I call it FPS, frustrated performer syndrome.
2: Mm. It's so real though. Mm. And I and I think no matter how long ago that that wound happened, even if you chose it. You know, like I cho- I knew I wanted to be a voice teacher very early on. But I also loved to perform even though I knew that I wasn't I probably wasn't going to pursue that professionally. There's still a sense of loss when you're like I'm I'm not performing Mm. and you know learning how to be a performer in Western culture in the formal academic pipeline of what it means to be a performer which is very narrow but still very common in our field is it is literally learning how to not trust yourself Mm. yeah it it is an education (laughs) in how to not listen to your own body not listen to your own feelings. Trust a guru, which is probably why we have such guruism in in the performing arts in general.
1: Yeah,
2: um, and it, it's an exercise in in an old and toxic master apprentice model that j- only now, in twenty twenties, um, maybe twenty tens, are is starting to be called to light. And it's it seems that that shift in, like, student-led teacher-student relationships has, it's just, and this is the good thing about the internet and the forums, right? Like, the mm-hmm. good thing about the internet is, like, now more and more people are standing up and saying, no, actually, I don't teach like that at all. And I don't mm-hmm. believe in um, a mass, I might believe in legacy, but I don't make that legacy mean that my my mastership of this student and I can and I'm the Uh all-knowing pedagogue Uh you know (laughs) Um, but I do really think that there's so many wounds that are never healed from that um, yeah just that giving up of the performing or even if it's not performing it's the giving up of what I thought would be because this happens to in teachers who even switch From like academia to ac- Academia academia mm-hmm. To sole proprietorship Or business ownership Like I got a DMA I got a PhD I did all this work And now it's this huge sunk cost Because this is such a toxic environment I cannot stay mm-hmm. It's not right for me But this is what I thought I should do mm-hmm. And um, it's I mean it's all wrapped up In the scarcity right Because sunk cost Means I fed up
0: Mm-hmm mm.
2: And, um, I think the
0: person who holds onto the stock that's going down because they Mm -hmm. think it'll rebound. It's like, honey, that stock isn't going to come back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's hard. It's hard though to, I think that's why it's hard to do business coaching for music people (laughs) Mm. in Mm. general, because really so much, and it's so funny how, how, you know, I thought I was going into business coaching, but really I was going into human development. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, good point.
2: And then business coaching just kind of is the vehicle that I get to use to do that, and that mm-hmm. Kristen, you know, that Speakeasy gets to use to do that. But man, you got to like have some conversations with yourself before you can really put something together that you're really proud of and really s- and comfortable with. That doesn't have to be like everybody else. That you're not always like the shiny object syndrome. Well, that person's successful and they're doing this, so therefore I'm going to do that. And I was like, whoa, whoa, right. whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, <laughs> that right. is not the... Th- that's not necessarily why they're successful. Like, let's... Right. They're successful because they figured it out for themselves. Yeah. They're not successful because... <laughs> yeah, anyway. That not
0: academic... Bad. Especially in our social media world where everything can be done so quickly. You oh, know? God. And oh, it's God. like, oh, I can do that or I can... you know. And it's like, well, but maybe that's not the best choice for you. Um, mm-hmm. You said something... Uh, you know, I said something too I, I really had really been thinking a lot about is, you know, we talk a lot about the uh, legacy of abuse, right? We talk about how abuse Mm -hmm. in a family can come down Mm -hmm. through generations. And it's funny, I do, I mean, I have seen strains of that in pedagogy where, you know, a certain teacher who taught in the 1920s who was very abusive in his writings, you could tell from every page it was just dripping with animosity and ill will towards other voice teachers. Mm -hmm. And the inheritors of that particular pedagogue's, you know, what work are continuing that legacy, Mm -hmm. Because it's sort of Mm -hmm. hardwired into the pedagogy. Pedagogy to me is how you teach somebody how to do something, right? It's not vocal science. It's not any of that stuff. It's how do we teach someone to do something? And for some people, that kind of abuse and trauma comes along for the ride with their teaching. And it's like you have to, like a family, you have to break the cycle. You have to break a cycle of abuse and say, I'm not going to do that in my teaching. I'm not going to make my students feel that way or feel less than or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But the good news
2: is... Oh, I'm sorry.
0: No, go ahead. No.
2: Um, the good news is, is just Please, like Please, I'm ready hurt- for good news. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, just like, just like, you know, I'm going to say a cheesy thing. Just like hurt people hurt people and broken mm. people break people. Healed people heal people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. so if you can be, if I can be, if we can all try to gain our own healing and keep ourselves, you know, um in right relationship with each other and the universe if that's what and whatever we're connected to other humans or the universe or whatever if we can stay in a in a humble and right relationship there then we will heal and when we heal we get to pass that on to our students yeah and then they will charge enough money they will heal their students right <laughs> um and i just think that that's where the opportunity is right we all have such an amazing opportunity to create generosity if we choose it be perpetuators yep. of yep. generosity if we choose yep.
1: it yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's
0: beautiful m
2: c
1: and see that's great i feel like i have a really neat slice of the philosophy of where you're coming from. Um, and it, boy, that all just makes so so much wonderful sense. Um, I'm the oldest person of this group. And I, I have uh, uh, taught in a lot of different environments. However, not higher ed. I've taught in private schools. I've taught in public schools. I've done uh, Suzuki teaching. Uh, I've taught instruments. I've taught voice. I've coached singers since college. Um, and you have this opportunity from that angle, from the angle of being on the bench, like I've sat in so many lessons and so many rehearsals with singers. So as like the, you know, background person helping it happen as the pianist or the coach. And, um, it's so interesting to Michelle, a little bit ago when you were talking about the academic pipeline and the narrowness of it, mm. we are taught a bunch of standards that in today's world, the way things move, they're almost arbitrary standards, mm. but they seem like they're set in stone. And, and we think if we miss the mark and d- don't achieve them, that, I mean, it's some of the healing I had to do, like coming up through a couple of music degrees. Um, you know, the, the idea of, Not just good enough, but to achieve certain milestones by certain ages, for example. That's a big Mm -hmm. thing for singers Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of other musicians, too. Yeah, uh, it is. There's
3: there's that expectation, you know, like you you get out of undergrad, you do your yaps, you do your yaps, you go get your master's. You do your master's, then either you perform or you get your DMA and you better do it all fast. And you better have this all figured out before you're 28. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. yeah. <laughs> Talk about stress.
1: Well, that's for yeah. the classical
3: pipeline. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cl- yes. Sorry. No. That is, that's very... Yes. Sorry. That's classical. But I mean,
0: yeah. imagine that, imagine what us, what it does to your mind mm-hmm. to be told that you're done by the time you're 30 as yeah. a singer when you should really be able to sing your whole life if you want to. Yeah.
3: And for a lot of us, things don't actually wake up and settle out to you're like
0: right. exactly.
3: 30 and later.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: And later and later.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I
3: might have cut you off though, Brian. I'm sorry.
1: No, nope, it's good. Uh, I think Michelle talking about realizing that she's moved towards personal development with business coaching as a vehicle for it. That's kind of deep. I love it. That that really rings true about what I see you guys doing. Well, cool. Well, is there any big um, speaking of Speak Easy? Uh, are Do you have any big, like, new initiatives coming or projects you want to tell us about?
2: Oh, my gosh. I would say we are, (laughs) (laughs) we have so much rumbling under the surface right now. Mm -mm. So, if anyone who's in Speakeasy is listening to this, surprise, things are coming. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, it's a... I would say the water is very calm on the surface, like everything's clipping along the way that we we have designed it to. But, you know, I have a huge website and members area redesign happening behind the scenes right now so that mm-hmm. it's just easier to navigate and even more valuable and less time consuming for people to get what they need. Um, we are, you know, very much under under the radar we've changed the how to run your voice biz program into a 10 month kind of mentorship co-working mastermind program instead of what it was, which was like, hold on to your hats. We're doing it all in 10 weeks. (laughs) So, mm -hmm. um, and so that's moving. I mean, what else do we have going on? Kristen? We, do you feel that way? Like it's all this kind of under the surface movement. It's, uh, it's uh redoing the the plumbing
3: and the wiring rather than painting and hanging up art. Yeah. You know what i mean? It's yeah. it's okay. uh it it's the good inner guts and the inner workings that will lead to an overall improved user experience. Um but it's you know it's not uh yeah there, there's it's not like
2: something shiny.
1: This sounds like a, a typical growing pains of a yes. successful mm-hmm. young organization four four plus years in.
2: It's exactly the right time. Yeah. So like yeah. you can you can look at data around like I mean if you want to get nerdy about business in general. So you can look at data like growth, you know, growth of of businesses and at, at year like 3
1: mm-hmm.
2: is when businesses say, "Oh, okay, I'm clipping and now I have time to actually like make sure my systems are all snazzed up and and it, it's interesting because that's where we're at. We're like in just getting all the systems uh, locked in. We, we do have a couple new things. Like we started last year something called the Bootlegger Buddies. And this mm. is like a core group of people who are just volunteers. And they, they reach out to new members. And we're getting more and more community involvement, which I think is great. Kristen's doing a fabulous job lining up speakers. That's been really- um, oh great. because we do like four live events a, a month it's
1: oh, a- wow. and then they're
2: all available, most of them are available on the website.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but just keeping that live uh, opportunities for small groups, right? Justin yeah. like keeping those live events, knowing that not everybody's going to come every time and we wind up getting a little bit different group every time you c- oh. get you know kind of have that interpersonal um, small group feel, but um, it's good that it's boring right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it's so good because 2020 was hard on everybody and the team (sighs) it was it was hard we it was exhausting and and you know we all just set aside we set aside probably too much of our boundaries to just help teachers who had like never even in a million years thought about going online never Mm. in a million years yeah And, you know, maybe that was wrong of us. Maybe that wasn't good modeling of of boundaries and stuff. But it's like when you see someone drowning... We, we just couldn't be like, well, my boundaries. So, um,
3: no, no. no. I I wouldn't
2: change. But it was tiring. But you know, the amazing
3: thing is now many of those teachers love teaching online. And some of them, some of them are like, I don't know that I want to go back to in person at all. Like I've got it figured out. I'm doing great. I'm Uh going to stick with it, which is fantastic. I mean, I love it. It's, it's been a really wonderful thing to watch.
1: Oh, that's it's great! Awesome. Yeah. Well, you mentioned a while back as as we get towards the end of our of our time here, um, you talked about one of the things you work with with clients is figuring out ideal client. Who's an ideal candidate for joining Speakeasy?
2: Oh, oh my gosh! Oh. So I would say a person who knows that they are ready to move forward personally and professionally but are not really sure what to do next. So they're ready to move. They're not a person who's like, well, maybe this, maybe that, like mm-hmm. they they have a clear idea that they are ready to work on themselves and work on their business. Number one, I think that they are a person who wants to do that in the context of community. Um, like, not maybe all about the community, but they would love that shared experience. You know, James Clear talks about that in Atomic Habits, where he's like, when, you, when you're when you working toward a common goal with other people who are working toward that common goal, it actually helps you build better patterns and relationships, or, um, yeah, like patterns and and habits around what you're desiring to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and that they have some sort of relationship to the voice business. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So whether they're an independent teacher or even we have a lot of people who are like parallel businesses, which I love. So like body workers, pedagogues that want to create for teachers, teacher trainings, Mm -hmm. um, singer adjacent stuff um, in addition. But that there that there's a love of the human voice and and what it represents in the world. Um, And we've recently we, we made the decision last year to go ahead and be like, you don't have to be independent like we're definitely focused on business and all of that so but if you're interested in that and you want to be a part and we have some fantastic full-time academics mm-hmm. in the group now um who just wanted a different vibe mm-hmm. they wanted a different kind of cultural conversation than they were having in academia and um
1: that sounds really I, cool would, yeah. yeah yeah
3: it's so funny what do you think, i'm kristen yeah, like I remember, I remember these conversations around, you know, do do we do we ha- is it okay to have members who aren't independent voice teachers and you know and now there are so many in the group who I mean you know maybe they are but it's not their primary thing or whatever like I can't imagine it without them it's it seems so silly now looking back that this was a thing that we were concerned about that um yeah the question was who is speakeasy's ideal client mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh gosh I I would agree. Somebody who is ready to be intentional about their time, um, about their mental and emotional resources, and about their money. Mm. Um, I think it's somebody... Yeah, Michelle says ready to move. I agree with that. I think also like ready to be intentional, ready to get clear. Um, When you are running your business... Michelle just wrote a blog about this, about you have a thousand plates spinning all the time, right? And um, I think sometimes for independent teachers, it's, there's so many things that have to happen. It's hard to know what is actually important. And so we feel like we're just stuck in a spiral of like, I know stuff's got to change. I know I need to make some changes in my business, but I can't because I'm doing all of these things and I don't know how to get out of the loop. I don't know what's important. And so... I think people are ready for speakeasy when they're ready to make a decision, when they're ready to be intentional and make a decision, even if it's the wrong one. Uh, Michelle doesn't say this as much anymore, but she used to say all the time, action brings clarity. And uh-huh. uh, and I think people who are ready for action, who are tired of being in a spiral and are ready to go, okay, I'm making a decision I'm being intentional.
2: Yeah. And right. it's interesting too. I want to clarify, like, I think one thing that we do different, which is kind of to the ideal client thing for speakeasy is they're not a person who wants like the cookie cutter no. solution. Like they're, they're, <laughs> they're not a person that's like, just give me the check boxes and the templates. We have templates and we have check boxes, but they're, are people who are like, what's going to work for me? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How, how do I take, what are the principles I need to know? And I, I say this about the programs the higher programs that you can access once you're a member of speakeasy and it's this idea of like, I don't, I'm not here to give you fish. There are plenty of other business coaches that give out fish. I'm not here to give fish. I'm here to teach you to fish. And that my hope is that whatever you learn here will be something that you can always come back to in every season of your business and every iteration of it. And you're just asking those questions differently or more pointedly, um, you know, it's that old. I mean, it's the same thing I want to do as a voice teacher. I, I want to work myself out of a job.
3: I was just going to say it, it parallels teaching voice brilliantly because you would never teach two lessons the same way. You would never coach two clients the same way.
1: You said one of my favorite words, Michelle, which is principles. Yes. You know, mm. if, if you can if you can convey and help someone discover good principles for action, boy, that goes a long way.
2: Yeah. yeah, And it's not hustle, right? Like just because right. you're ready to move, mm-hmm. being ready to move doesn't mean being ready to run. No. Being ready to move means I'm ready to take one st- If step. I need to take one step, step at a time, but to Kristen's point about the intentionality, about about the decisions, it's like n- one thing I really value about the culture that the group has created is you can go your own pace. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like if it's going to take you six months in Speakeasy and you're going to jet through everything and you're going to come to all the group coachings and you're going to do private one on ones and you're going to get that thing all whoop whoop bop a and then leave, fantastic. And if you're like I, I want to settle in, this is going to take two or three years. I want support the whole way, and I want to do this a tiny baby steps at a time. I think that's some that's why I t- that's why I continue to have it be a member a monthly membership. Mm-hmm. because I don't want to be for this particular group and for this particular offer for those kind of people who learn that way. I like that flexibility mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know, we say it about our events and we say it about speakeasy, you know, come when you can leave when you must. Yeah. So
1: beautiful. Well, I have thank one you. One last question. Yeah, yeah Ask
0: Justin. Since you're on the voice culture podcast. What is one thing in voice culture that we should be talking about more?
1: (laughs) One
2: thing? Yeah. (laughs) Now I got (laughs) to pick. The efficacy of formal education in voice and its role in career pipelines across all types of music. Yeah. That it might be different. That it might be different and we might have to take a solid look at that and that there are places that academia should absolutely still be king of and places that maybe they shouldn't be. And, um, I want that to be a more real conversation than it is right now. It seems very like Mm -hmm. skirting the issue or maybe like everyone says that we should talk about it, but we're not actually Mm -hmm. like, okay, great. So what does this program look like? And what do we change this? You know? Um, So I think that that's something that we could probably talk about a lot more.
1: Wow. That would be a great subject for a podcast is to talk about the changing face of that pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm
2: -hmm. Kristen, you got to do it.
1: Yeah. If I could pull it out. (laughs) No, that was so good. I'm like,
3: you took my answer. No, I was literally, (laughs) I was literally talking with somebody about that the other day about how like. Your independent studio is the answer to a lot of people's professional queries now, whether or not you realize it. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I think one thing that we might need to consider, and this might be sort of a, a parallel to that, is the evolution of the independent studio. Um, is the future of the independent studio strictly private lessons, as we thought it to be? Um, yeah, I mean, usually that's the model, right? There's a teacher or, you know, several teachers and the model is like private lessons and that's what is typical. Mm-hmm. Um, but as things evolve and in the, like, you know, our post COVID stuff, does it start to look more like performing arts programs that happen outside of, academia? you know, we, we generally lean heavily on university programs for performing opportunities for pre-professionals. Is this something that independent studios could step up and start filling that gap? I don't know. The answer is is
2: yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you should do it first.
3: (laughs) No. Dibs! Dibs! Actually, no. Eden Castile kind of did it first. But...
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know eden castile i think you would have a lot of fun she y'all. would love having a conversation with y'all here she, she's so smart <laughs> yeah i know it's not yeah, my business an, to tell you she's an amazing person no she she's is on the guest list people, yeah. She's yeah incredible we, we
1: have a, a guest uh a wish list and she is on it oh good yeah good good good
2: yeah. oh sh- i think she'd say yes no. I know her really well. Maybe I right? could put a good word in for <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> I don't know good. if you guys know how to get in touch with her. We're happy <laughs> the,
3: to
0: The Rhode Island <laughs> voice that. queen. Yes, exactly.
2: Yeah. What about you? Because I know you talk about that every week, but do you have one that's like top of mind for both of you today? Yeah.
0: Wow. Ooh.
3: See, it's a hard question, it, is it not? a
0: good one. It's a hard question.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, but, yeah but,
0: what are we talking What do we need ta- to...
1: Um, well one thing that that I think uh, I'm going to steal something that Justin might say but there there seems <laughs> to be such a lack of understanding about what has gone on before because mm. if you have clues about the past you can really gain a lot of clues about the future um there there's there's so much um about like if you go to a conference and some of the things that get talked about, or you look at journal articles, and you look at the things that are talked about, you see how there's these cycles of things that get talked about, and there's things that are picked up as great, wonderful new knowledge in pedagogy, and then you can find, you know, antecedents 50, 100, 150 years ago, uh, and and I think there is a uh, bias nowadays because of the fast-moving pace of everything, mm. that newer is always better that that younger is better that the latest and greatest literally is always the greatest and that older things don't have value and i'm not just talking about me you do have value brian you still have value (laughs) but but i that's that's a thing i see um like in the nuts and bolts of of teaching and pedagogical ideas uh i see a lot of stuff that should be called looking at old things in a new light that people present as something brand new. And that mm. kind of grips my grits.
3: Was it Cicero or Aurelius who said um, to be ignorant of history is to remain a child forever? I can't remember which it was mm. but that's what it makes me think of, right? To be ignorant mm-hmm. of pedagogical history is to yeah. remain a voice prof- to, to remain a baby voice professional forever. Like we got to know where we came from. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Freudian slip.
3: What did I say?
2: <laughs> you were like you, you were going to leave out the baby part. You <laughs> remain a voice professional. You remain a voice professional forever. Heaven
1: uh, forbid uh, we would
3: be
2: one of those. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Justin, you are not getting off the hook.
0: No, yep. I would just say to, to echo what you said. I think we have to figure out the role of academia in the pipeline of the the various stylistic world of music that we live in today, mm-hmm. versus even a hundred years ago, fifty years ago. Um, How do we get people, even in the opera world, I think even classical music needs Mm. to take a serious evaluation of if the academic pipeline is the best way to do what it needs to be done when we know that the uh, singer in academia, even in a classical track, has uh, so many obstacles in front of them in in getting to be a better singer. Um, So, you know, whether that's privatizing that whole industry out to opera companies or creating our our, um, educational organizations that do that specifically – I don't know. I think we need to talk about what is what's the current state of our w- world and where do we want it to go in terms of the variety of music that we have mm-hmm. in such a way that celebrates the diversity of music that we have in the traditions that we have, not just, you know, one or two or three. Oh, I mean I
2: guess it's time to address cultural imperialism, right?
1: <laughs> and thank you so much for coming. <laughs>
2: hey it's easy for us to laugh we're not the ones uh on the on the side of that that uh well you know what i would say
1: (laughs) there's there's (sighs) a lot to unpack i hope i hope you two can come back sometime yes uh this was really fabulous and thank you so much for coming um do you have, uh, I mean, Speakeasy Cooperative is very easy to Google, uh, but do you have certain places you like to meet people in out in the online or social media world?
2: I mean, I'm on Instagram. At my, so all the Instagram is under my parent company, which is Faith Culture Kiss. So, okay. Um, and then the Faith Culture Kiss for uh, Studio for Voice and Acting Facebook page. And then, mm-hmm. of course, FaithCultureKiss.com, and Speakeasy Co-op. Dot com. Um, I think that's all the places that we are on the interwebs and being obvious. Apparently, I have a LinkedIn, but <laughs> my oh. social media manager runs it. I don't. So okay. Okay. I think I've been on LinkedIn like 10 times in the last year. I guess I shouldn't right. say that out loud. <laughs> um, <laughs> every once in a while, I do snarky things on Twitter, but that I don't ever talk about Speakeasy there.
1: Okay. Well we'll also have link to your to those places in the show notes. And oh, that's really uh,
2: generous of you. Thank yeah,
1: you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Absolutely Kristen Coffee yeah. Ronto, yeah. Michelle, Marquard, devoe It is a delight. You're wonderful friends and
0: thank you, thank you. Thanks for sharing your wisdom today.
3: No, thank y'all. That's this is really... wonderful. It was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is the NPR part. Yeah.
1: Thanks for joining us today on The Voice Culture Podcast.
0: For more information, connect with us on our website, thevoiceculture.com.